Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello and welcome back to episode 283 of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. And as always, I'm absolutely thrilled that you're tuning into our show today. This is my fifth attempt to do this introduction. We're leaving in a few days to go for a family trip to Portugal. And I've been so distracted. <laughs> Previous attempts as I was doing the recording the introduction. First, a bird came, flew by, and I was curious what kind of bird it is. And I posted about it on Instagram. And then a squirrel came in. I had to take the video. I'm telling you, when I'm going on a vacation, I'm super distracted. If you are from Portugal, if you've been to Lisbon and Porto, I would love it if you can DM me on Instagram or email me and let me know what are some of the recommendations you have for restaurants, for places to see. I'm always curious to see what have been other people's experiences and I'm excited and super distracted. So my apologies in advance. Today we're going to talk about multiple orgasm. Our guest is Kenneth Play. Kenneth will tell us about what are some of the ways that you can prepare your body to be able to experience multiple orgasms. What are some of the mistakes that people make? What are some kind of touches that you need to make sure you are incorporating during your sexual experience with your partner that you will be able to experience one? He talks about some of the techniques and he shows some tools. You will see this video of him and me talking in YouTube. So if you're curious about something that he's describing and you want to check out and see what he's talking about, you can check out our YouTube channel. The link is in the bio. Kenneth has been a guest lecturer on female sexual pleasure at New York uh, University and San Jose State University. His work has helped millions of men gain lasting confidence and competence. Ask Men described Kenneth's most recent course as having at least one nugget of sexual learning you've almost certainly never encountered before, if not several. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Kenneth Play. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited to welcome Kenneth Play, sex hacker on our show. Kenneth, welcome to our show. I'm so excited to be on today. This is going to be a fun conversation. I am so excited and looking forward to this. I got the pleasure of receiving your book and I loved all the details that you included as far as different kind of like hacks and information, a kind of hands-on tool that can people incorporate in their sexual experiences with their partner. And I'm kind of curious to know, I know you talked about it in the book, but for our listeners, how did you get in this realm of becoming a sex hacker? Well, I am probably the world's most unlikely sex educator having sex ed content on Pornhub. It's such an un... Like, I can't even imagine as a teenager that would be my path to my career success. I grew up super sexually insecure, like crippling fear to a point that I remember as a teenager, I wouldn't let my girlfriend at the time see my penis because I thought if I didn't have a porn star cock, if she see my average size cock, that would be the end of my life. And I lost my virginity quite late. And I was a relatively fit lifeguard at that time. But I thought, you know, if I hack my fitness, I have a superhero body that would change 
my self-esteem and sexual confidence, it did not change that. No matter how much external success that I was able to achieve, it did not affect my inner work, my insecurity when it comes to sex. And not till my late 20s, early 30s, when I found the sex positive community and start diving into the topic that profoundly changed my life. Now I'm just going out there talking about my average penis, overcoming uh, insecurity and how to be amazing in bed. So yeah, that's been my life. What an incredible journey. And I believe that part of your story also resonates with so many people. I had a listener that she reached out to me and said, like, oh, we saw a kid play at Jana's happy hour. I loved her story and like what he was talking about, because it is truly incredible. People think about, okay, you have a certain kind of like sexual ability, size, all of that. And that's something that cannot be changed. And people, as you mentioned, get hooked, they get hooked in this cycle of if I look differently, if I buy this, then I'm going to feel better. Therefore, I'm going to be more appealing. But for you, it seems like it was more of an internal shift. How did you make that internal shift? You know, it's kind of an awkward position where you're a very sexual, horny person. And you're also sexually insecure. It kind of makes you like a little, <laughs> little nutty when you have high desire. And then you're on a, like when you are self-rejecting and ha- having a diet. I would just, you know, I learned how to hack my fitness life. Right? I learned how to, you know, gain muscle, lose fat, look like a Marvel superhero. But, but I also learned a lot from that process on how to kind of overcoming your internal limitation. You know, for thousands of clients that I train over the years, when they walk into the gym, it's not like they feel great about themselves at that moment. How do you help them overcome that process and adhere to a lifestyle or fitness program that would profoundly change their lives? So I figure if I could achieve something so difficult on the other side, on the fitness side, can I apply the same principle when it comes to my sex life? And the first thought I think most men would have is that if you're not born like 6'4 with a point our penis, then you're not, your sexual worth is limited. But thank God I found out that sex is not like a basketball game, like the taller the better. Uh, <laughs> so, and then in once I learned about all of those, you know, sex myths that destroys people's sex life, I also learned a lot of their pleasure principle behind. I didn't know that I could adopt a growth mindset to sexuality, like I could do with fitness. And in some way, you know, people would never know what their body is capable of if they never worked out in their life. Like how many pull-ups can you possibly do if you actually train for it versus you do nothing? So so looking sex through a fitness lens also make me realize that sex education is kind of lacking behind, you know, like compared to food and fitness. So I was looking for all their information. That's why I was so obsessive about like, you know, writing my book and my course to create sex at the way that I learned in the fitness industry. And again, I love what you entail in the book about kind of the tips and tricks, because I think mindset is important. But also there is this gap for most people that they they see things in porn, they don't feel that they have that characteristics and they don't have this skills. So as you said, that it's important to kind of think about, okay, how can I kind of acquire what I need to be a great lover? So which we're going to talk more about. And there were so many great concepts in your book that I wanted to talk about. And then I was like, okay, let's focus on one. So today we're going to talk about multiple orgasms. That's something that many women want. And 
some people it's easier for them to experience that and for some people it's less less possible so tell us more about multiple orgasms is that something that every woman can experience is that a skill it's definitely a skill you know typically when used I, I teach a lot about female ejaculation and squirting and also conducting the world largest survey with dr jana and everybody's like can every woman squirt or every female body squirt it's a tough question to answer because it's like, can every human do 25 pull-ups? You know what I mean? Like, you can if you train for it. And some people have an easier time to get there, and some people have a more difficult time to get there. So I think that is the answer. But from um, from having, I think, 47%, according to the OMGS research that they did, that uh, many female experience multiple orgasm because the refractory period is lower and there's different kinds of multiple orgasm so when we're talking about multiple orgasm in one one session as in one sexual experience like are you having popcorn style that it just happened randomly at different time throughout the whole play session or are you talking about consecutive like back-to-back orgasm or extended orgasm where you didn't know where the end like where it begins and where it ends so I, I don't think we have enough lexicon to describe the unique experience that many people have. But as to look at multiple orgasm from more like a sexual fitness lens, it's something that you could definitely learn to train yourself. Just like I never thought that I could have a multiple orgasm, I have learned to train my body how to have them. But it is a skill both from receiving the stimulation and the arousal that you need to be in that state, also know how your body works. So that's why it's so important to to learn how your body actually works and then adopt a growth mindset that you can learn how to. Like you have to learn how to relax enough and get aroused enough and how to ask for the, the right amount of stimulation with the right rhythm. And then Love how to that. back off there yeah, and, and yeah, more or less, yeah. Well, I think there's so many great points that you mentioned that I want us to kind of like talk more about. First of all, I bet that there is like, there's a huge part of our population that are like listeners that are therapists, educators. And I want to emphasize that not necessarily for having a great sexual experience, you don't need to orgasm every time. It's completely optional thing. Sex can be wonderful and pleasurable and connecting, even if either of the parties, they don't have orgasm. So that's completely something that's possible. And many people encourage people to kind of not necessarily focus solely on achieving orgasm. It's more about the journey, pleasure, kind of connecting with pleasure and all of that. But I love that you compare it to squirting. Like there's just so many controversial things around squirting. And as a psychologist, sex therapist, I I would say like if you want to learn this skill, it's you get to learn it right? It's not our job to say like, okay, if you want this skill, you can learn it. Or with multiple orgasms. If you want multiple orgasms, then that's a skill like the pull-up that you mentioned that people can cultivate. If you're good with one and done, that's great or none. We had a guest that they talked about extended orgasms few sessions and I we love the conversation we had with them I love that you had also in the books like three different types so tell us so you said like one is a popcorn style and one is one after another what lead to those different types 
Well, the pop cord is easy to describe. Like you have an orgasm, there's a refractory recovery period, and then sometimes it depends on the length of time. So, I mean, I, I use a lot of fitness reference because this is my background. So, how much rest do you have between sets? <laughs> right? <laughs> for some people, it could be a very short recovery time. For some people, it's a little bit longer. It depends on so many factors, like how your nervous system function, how you wire in the first place. And how train, how conditioned you are, how 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 used your body is used to get arousal back up relatively quickly, and how much do you drop? Do you drop back down to baseline, or you stay relatively high on arousal even after the orgasm? So, so the popcorn is just you know you had orgasm when you're having oral sex, and maybe you have a vibrator and penetration. Maybe you have another one when you change position. So you could you know that's kind of yeah four orgasm in one session. Back to back is more intentional, where you trying to have an orgasm but keep the plate spinning just slow enough that you don't drop all the way down, and then you want to ride that energy from the previous one back to the next one. So, and that extended orgasm, I would say that it, the peak and valley does not feel as distinct as like one after the other. It's sort of all continuous, and that's more on the tantra size practice. I also believe there is a lot of misunderstanding where people are thinking about orgasm, like what they literally need to do. So, so from the giver side, it's different from the receiver side. How do you get yourself in that receptive, you know, parasympathetic state that you are like trusting, arouse, turn on, relax, and then you also could have enough attention and and to be more specific, having interoception, meaning your own ability to pay attention to your own senses. And then not thinking about something else. So if you have all those skills combined in the right environment, then you learn how to ride your, ride your internal waves of those orgasmic pleasure. Beautiful. So what comes up for for me is that I hear from lots of my clients and lots of our listeners. Women's clit gets super sensitive after after experience an orgasm. How can they? How can they continue going when they have this level of sensitivity? There's so many hacks that I think is fascinating. Like the new hack that I love is I call it a double clit orgasm. So one of my favorite favorite sex toys is Zumio, and is it doesn't vibrate; it rotates in a spiral tip. But anyway, if you, if this is the clitoris, this is the hood. You know, you have the dorsal nerve running on the clit on the left and the right side. So when it comes to sensitivity, is there? I mean, the, I hypothesize talking to Dr. James Fowles, and then he explained the, the neuroscience behind it. But, you know, when you shine a really bright light on your eye, all of a sudden it becomes like white and you can't see anything. And it takes a while to calibrate back to baseline. So just say after you have an orgasm, there's a moment of sensitivity. But what's interesting about this toy, because it's so hyper precise, mm-hmm. that I could just stimulate the right side of the dorsal nerve or the left side. So as soon as you have an orgasm on this side, right, which happens in the brain, then this nerve is still fresh and not ready to go. Mm-hmm. So you could go one side and then the other side. So you could go back so to cool. back. And on top of that, there, you know, if you look at from the genital to the rest of the body, because some people have a nipple orgasm to their yellow. But if you're talking about all the flavors, especially when it comes to female body, you have, you know, you have the clitoris, you have different zones, right? Like the clit, G-spot, A-spot, cervix, anal, et cetera. All the nerves laying there is that if you, I, I call it like a circuit training 
<laughs> I know it sounds so fitness. You know, like you do squat, and you do push up, you do a pull up, and then you do some crunches. You're working different parts of your body while one muscle is exhausted, the other one is still ready to go, and you keep your heart rate up. So your heart rate is sort of like arousal bit. But if you learn how to work each zone, so you could you could combine them. So you could do like squat and overhead press, or you could just do squat. But unfortunately, most people don't know how to work all the zones or the combination of flavor that you could create. So if you want to have multiple orgasms that is back to back, just say if you start off with a guitar orgasm just from oral sex, then you into fingering and maybe a vibrator. I think one of the most important tricks that I learned from anecdotally, I mean, thousands of sample size, right? Is don't be boring. So if the sensation changed slightly, then the brain have a reason to pay attention. But there's a diminishing return with the same sensation most of the time. So if you could incorporate multiple different types of sensation that is that could be potentially orgasmic, and then you could sequence them in the right order, then you could kind of keep the orgasm train going. That is great and great tip. And for our listeners, you, you can watch the part of this interview at YouTube as well. So you can see what he was demonstrating. And I think it was such a great point. And I tell people that take advantage of different erogenous zone because people are going to continue to do the same movement and perhaps they've been doing the same movement with the same partner for years. And then they have this kind of unmet expectation that things are not as exciting. So I love that you're kind of encouraging, inviting people to explore different things, even the same uh, sexual experience, kind of different touches, different, different types of kind of stroking, using all all wonderful tools that you have in your toolbox you know it's like having different receptor on your tongue you could taste salt sweet spicy bitter you know a sour so until you actually taste that flavor like you know if you're putting salt you can't taste sweet right but you just like a genital it's like a full keyboard of different notes you could play but it requires a different way of focusing so so I dove so deep in the neuroscience because in my fitness career, I used to read the research paper and translate the research paper to training protocols. Like, how do we learn from this and then create a workout routine that people actually get the benefit from the research? So when I was working on the book, Dr. James Faust is one of my, my favorite, favorite neuro researcher when it comes to pleasure. And one of the most important lessons that I learned from him is that, you know, you have two distinct types of nerve there's many more but there's two categories that that is very important for the listener to understand so if you look at the clitoris as in their their clitoris gland on the outside right and then the internal bit the bulbs and the legs and etc but their external side is very similar to the head of the penis they work better when there's tension and sympathetic arousal, like flight or flight. So when the more you get into it, right, that doesn't matter the amount of sensitivity because you want to calibrate the touch. But you're more likely to have an orgasm when you kind of squeeze one out. You know, it requires that tension. But most of the internal sensations, so when you 
So that is the pelvic nerve to the pedental nerve. Those are more sympathetic types of arousal that require that orgasm to come out. When it comes to the internal orgasm, like A spot, G spot, prostate, it doesn't matter which which male or female body, it requires you to be more in a receptive state. So your parasympathetic arousal needs to have a decent amount. So it's not like one, it's not like seesaw, right? Not excitatory. I don't know if I'm being too nerdy on this podcast, but I love the nerdy. I love nerdy. Okay. Okay. <laughs> love nerdy. So, you know, like Emily, Emily Legowski, using the same model from James Charles of the dual control. So you mm-hmm. have to, you have excitatory inhibitory. That is a seesaw. But when it comes to sympathetic, right, flight or flight or rest and digest, parasympathetic, they work, they could work together. So you could heighten both. You could be very relaxed, calm and excited at the same time, right? So you it require for you to be in this incredibly alert and yet receptive surrender allowing state in order for those type of visceral nerve, right? In order for that, that they, you know, in Tantra, it's like sexual energy to build up. And it's not the same way you're trying to squeeze an orgasm out of your clit or the head of your penis. But most people do not have the opportunity to learn because we all rob on the sex education on how to train yourself into that receptive state. So imagine you're trying to have an orgasm, but you're in the wrong state, right? It's not going to happen. And what's so fascinating about their internal orgasm and I'm not preaching one is better than the other. There's no hierarchy, just preference, right? But when it comes to the internal sensation, because is linked to your vagus and your hypogastric nerve, it's the same Barry researches. Dr. Barry's research is so profound that because of the, all the nerves that are wandering around your body, when people talk about full body orgasm, what's really remarkable is that when I got to talk to him, when I was researching my book, he talks about emotion, and having feelings, but the actual motion bit, like when you cry, you like cringe or when you have a cram or whatever, those internal sensation. So imagine those internal orgasm is the same pathway as your emotion. You really have to allow yourself to feel everything and allow all the motion of the emotion pass through your body in order for that system to fully activate. So the more, the more we are inhibited, the more we shut down our feelings, the, the, the more we fear intimacy or letting go and fully connect with our sexual being, the less that we could experience those higher state of sexual peak experiences. So it's really crazy when you we finally learn how to have that full body orgasm because you're actually allowing all your emotion and everything in your body to flow. So... Yeah. So many great information. And also, I think it reminds me of the importance of foreplay. You know, in your, in your book, also, you talk about that, like creating a space and kind of in a way, cultivating this energy. That's how I think about foreplay. Again, not saying that foreplay, something comes before the uh, intercourse. We're not saying that, but it seems like that can be very helpful with kind of building those kind of states that you mentioned. And I know that you, in your book, you use this term, which is very interesting, designer foreplay. Many people are checked out during foreplay. They think, okay, we're doing one, two, three, four, in order for us to get to the point of our body is ready for intercourse. How can we change our foreplay in a way that allows for putting us kind of experiencing the level of arousal that you mentioned? There's so many layers to foreplay, like you said. Like most people think it's all the things that you do before you put your penis in, right? It's unfortunate. I'm talking more in a heterosex perspective. 
I think full play is really getting, there's so many layers. First, it's like, it could be environmental and you in the right room, the right setting, right? For some people, a dirty bathroom is a turn on. For some people, it's perfectly white crisp sheet at a hotel. So different layer. The erotic context was just so important. It's before you even touch the body. If you're a turn on from your brain, your heart, like you're, you're turned on by the environment, that's half the battle. It's not like, oh, you should stroke her face or give her little kisses here. Necessary for foreplay, but if you could create a scenario, I mean, there's not a, it's not an accident that Fifty Shades of Grey so more than the Bible because it's psychologically arousing. So if more straight men understand female arousal psychologically, like what do they desire, right? What context, how, what, what's erotic? So in the book, I also talk about your pleasure personality. Like, are you bringing their primal athlete energy? Are you more like director? Are you dominant, assertive and confidence? Are you being romantic? Are you being more of a spiritual, empathic, tantra energy into the bedroom? Are you more mechanical when you, you know, trying to suspend someone, which requires a lot of like uh, technical skills? If you could bring different aspect of that into the bedroom, that's half of the battle when it comes to arousal. The second part is getting the body to pay attention is so important because mind-blowing, you know, the subtitle had mind-blowing connection. If you could truly connect with someone, they are not distracted. They're in the moment. Their mindfulness is here and they're here and now with you and they anticipate every touch that you have. It's like you're, you know, it's like fold, sometimes we're folding laundry, we're listening to a podcast. You're not even listening. You're just doing a thing. So how do you get people to really listen or really absorb the moment? And then from that on, anticipation is a great tool, right? And where to touch. I think it's so much more delicious when you have someone so aroused before you touch them. And then when you touch them, they're dying for that touch. And when it is also, I think a lot of uh, straight men who really need to learn what a lady boner is, you know, like when it's like trying to put your penis in when you're not hard, it's not going to work. So you have to make sure the clear is fully engorged. So your goal is to get it fully engorged. And I think a couple of warm, I think the best floor play is actually a couple of warm up orgasm in my view. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not just penetration, it's warm up orgasm because it's more likely. I mean, there's some women who are like one and done, right? Which is, which is out there, but unlikely. And then if you have a couple of orgasm, then it's pretty much guaranteed that is in the most like prime state for other activity. Well, kid, I feel you're setting the expectation so high <laughs> for heterosexual uh, relationships that our male listeners are sweating. <laughs> and, yeah, oh, I, wrote I, a whole, I, I know, but I wrote a whole book to make it so easy, like very methodical. Mm-hmm. So just like someone mastering a video game they never played before, I really broke down tutorial that you gain one skill at a time. But it was also broken down to like, here's a 20% of skill that will make you at the like top 5% of lovers, you know, and it's it's very, very straightforward. But I I actually don't want to, I also don't want to make it like, oh, you should just, you know, make out with her a little bit and go down on her before you put it in because it's the wrong message. I think sex is worth everyone's like one college semester worth of commitment. To, to acquire the knowledge and skill. 
I mean, no one regrets being great in debt. If it takes you one semester to be the top five percent, I don't see why you wouldn't want to do that for the rest of your sex life. It's crazy. Well, and again, I think part of it is not knowing where to go for the information. I think like part of the anxiety for at least many of my male clients is that. They don't necessarily know what works for their partner. The partner doesn't know what works for them. So they're doing some stuff. They're not sure if it's working or not. And then uh, we're shooting in the dark. So I think that's good to have skills. That's also, I, I've been really trying so hard to solve that problem. Like what if your partner don't know what she wants and you don't know what to give her and like, where do you start? And so I come up like, so the sex hacking method is using data as in like all these other research on preference, start with their lowest hanging fruit. Like most people would enjoy this. So I would say like, just like most men would love to head up their penis stroke, make sure you touch the clitoris. So there's a method of figuring out and, and it's kind of like, you know, when you go into Vegas, you know, card counter, when they play poker, they're betting at the highest odds on each hand. So I systematically teach it that you don't, if you don't know where to start, try the lowest hanging fruit first. And then it's a process of elimination. So although I don't want to talk about this stuff, it sounds really advanced, but that's why I do actual demo. It's not like I want you to read a book. I want you to imagine. I teach you like a TED talk like her and I actually show you, demonstrate it, and then you could actually see how it's done. And I think they can, the book, even only the book, I haven't done the program, but the book has great kind of, as you said, like, like you scan, like the QR code that you can scan and see things, which is very, very cool and unique and advanced for what you would think in the book. <laughs> so if our listeners are curious about where can they get a hold of you, your book, your program, tell us more about that. You could go to kindofplay.com and where my book and my Sex Hacker Pro course, which is has over nine module over 70 plus videos and 12 hours of content. I literally like, here's wording, here's all the basic. And then you get more advanced as you, you know, like a skill tree building kind of way. And the book is kindofplay.com slash book, which is unfortunately shadow bans from uh, Amazon right now. Oh, it's, no. It's, it's considered as a sex item. So uh, adult items, I'm, I'm fighting it. I'm also submitting my book to ASAC and see if they, they will oh. promote a book because a lot of, I've worked with a lot of different sex, sex therapists and they all is struggling with translating, okay, like I, this is what you actually do in the bedroom. So I, I wanted to create a, the content to, for therapists to use because that's why I went in such length with the science. You know, I don't want this like, here's all the research, here's all the all the reference because I, I want, you know, this is what I've been really struggling with, you know, with sex ed, just like I taught in the fitness industry. I don't think most people care so much about the information. Like they don't just want to be informed. They want to able to transform their body, their fitness experience. So I went on this crazy journey on how to teach people, not to teach people, but help people acquire the skill so they could experience the best sex they could possibly imagine. And translating that into like, like, how do you, how do you actually experience it? That's the, that's the part that I really like. And, and I love uh, working with other, other sex professional to bring that to life. Like you could have a break do, but you still need to do it in the bedroom. So I want that bit to work. Yeah. I think it's wonderful that you're thinking about partnering with sex therapists, psychologists, because before I became ASAC, when I started doing their training, I did nine years of graduate program. I had one course 
one, one semester, one course, couple sex therapy. That was it. <laughs> and it was more on what is different challenges people have. There's just nothing about the skills and kind of like things that are, can be helpful, right? It's just, I think it's very helpful if people have the, the strategies that are based on research, because there are things that people claim and maybe they experience it, but there's not necessarily strong research behind it. So I think if there is something that is research-based, based like what you offer, it can be very helpful for therapists to give people the, those tools, share those tools, because again, sexual skills definitely is not something that as a psychologist, therapist, you learn in graduate programs. So I think it's wonderful to have resources to direct people to. Thank you. So people can get your book, they can get your program. Do you have any social media account that they can follow? I use my Instagram mostly. So by tenofplay.com and you can find me on Instagram and all my content. And I have a pretty extensive blog with tons of free content. I really want to share with the world like how I kind of overcome my sexual insecurity. And I have seen radical transformation from people who struggle most of their lives with their sexual experiences. And what's something so beautiful about sex that is different than fitness. When I try to change someone's fitness life, it takes a freaking long time. You know, because they have to adhere to a lifestyle for a really long time. When it's sex, if you could just dial in in the right condition, even if you have, I have seen people with lifelong trauma, right? If they could just learn to overcome that by actually relaxing in the moment and be mindful and create enough trust and create enough of a container to feel something new. When someone finally asks for the right sensation, right, and learn how to calibrate in their partner, and the partner don't change at the last second <laughs> because she's excited to do something else, you could learn how to have like phenomenal, like from just having more reliable orgasmic experience to have peak experience that you never thought was possible. So I, I just hope more people invest in their sex education, acquire the skills that they can experience it in their body and share that with their partner. Beautiful. The link for the information will be in the show notes. Thank you so much, Kenneth, for joining us. Thank you for being generous with the information. And hopefully we'll, we're going to have you back in the show in the future. Thank you. I hope you found our conversation meaningful and you got some good actionable strategies that you will be able to incorporate in your bedroom tonight. I have a couple of suggestions for you. First of all, many of women I see in my practice, they struggle with identifying what turns them on, they struggle with psychological arousal. Throughout the year, I curated this list of the books, podcasts, and visual media that has helped many of my clients to experience psychological arousal and strengthen their sexual and erotic mind. I also recently collaborated with the Sexual Health app. It's just an amazing app. So they have erotica story, erotic story, focus on women, vulva owners, and they also have educational materials. I collaborated with them, and this week we released a brand new collection that I recorded. It's on rekindling the spark. If you are a listener of my show, all you need to do is to click in the URL below. You will be qualified for 14 days free trial. They offer seven days trial outside if you check out and search their app, but if you 
go through the link below, you will get the 14 days trial. And I personally love their collections because many of the guests that you heard here, they have in their app and them teaching step-by-step tools and strategy has been so helpful and in a way game changer for many of my own clients. So check it out. Let me know what you think. I cannot wait until next, next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.